there are so many zero zeros. What do you call zeros? Zeros. zeros. There are so many zeros here. Highlight. You, you're making me pick one. I'm not sure I could. I think ZeroCon in itself is a highlight for me. And it came across like a festival. It, it's probably the best one I've been to. Right, okay. I think festival is the right description, right? It's not just a party. It's a coming together of people who, who share almost like this common secret sauce, right? And, and of course they all share the common, the, the common purpose. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digitals in a Cruel World podcast. Today we're going to be covering the latest feedback and insights that we got from ZeroCon. We're also featuring an interview from Alex von Schermeister that we recorded at the time and going to sneak in a little bit about the QuickBooks latest release as well, just to keep the, the scales nice and balanced. But uh, before we jump into that, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Ryan. Ryan, how's it going? It's going well, thanks mate. Yeah, it's still on the come down from zero con but lots to digest lots to absorb lots to try and now bring into what we do excellent excellent and we would normally be joined by our amazing producer editor co-host the person that keeps us in line indeed but she is away on a trip to canada at the moment so we've replaced her with our very own canadian friend amy cotton from capitalize amy how the bloody hell are you Hello! <laughs> I'm great, thank you. TGIF, and I'm still hot, but I'm less hot than we were last week. <laughs> Amazing. It's what we all aspire to be is hot, isn't it? Totally 100% how I'm described in the accountancy world. And just for people who don't know, the, the best piece of swag that I managed to bring back from ZeroCon last week was COVID. So there you go. That was absolutely epic. I have been isolating myself from the rest of the world for the last few days, which has been, been incredible. And I believe there were one or two others who've had the same experience as well. So happy days. It was rife, John. I think right at the start when Sue Perkins said, this is the hot spot of, of COVID in London at the moment, I think she was correct. It was either that or my 10 and a half hour train journey to London that did it on a very hot, sweaty train. <laughs> if I may interject, John, I think the world is also very happy for your isolation. Yeah, never has a truer word been said, Amy. Everyone is pleased about the fact that I'm not out and about. And I'll be sharing the misery and pain on LinkedIn at some point. <laughs> oh, my word. Right. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, we do have an interview with Alex that we recorded at ZeroCon. That is up first. And then we will get into our own little bits of feedback and how we felt ZeroCon was going. So let's Let's hear from Alex first. Super. We're at day two at ZeroCon and delighted to be joined by Alex von Schirmeister from Zero. Alex, tell us how your first ZeroCon in the UK has gone and what's been the highlight so far. Thank you, guys. It's great being here. Highlight. You're making me pick one. I'm not sure I could. I, I think ZeroCon in itself is a highlight for me. It is. <laughs> just yesterday, I was talking to a friend of mine and he's like, where are you? I'm like, well, at ZeroCon, it's like, oh, it's just a B2B conference. I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not just a B2B conference, right? It, it really feels like it, it, almost a massive family picnic or family gathering for us, right? And, and I, I think at Zero, we feel and we look at our partners as family members. We're hugely cognizant of the fact that we are where we are because of them. We owe them a lot, and this event is a way to just celebrate and hopefully give a bit of love back to our community. And uh, as you can probably tell from my voice, I very much enjoyed the after party yesterday. And it, I'm across like a festival. It, it's probably the best one I've been to. I assume you had a lot of fun as well. Though. 
Yeah, I did, I did. When you see people with face paintings and everybody just not only having a party, but you're right, a festival is the right description, right? It's not just a party, it's a coming together of people who share almost like this common secret sauce, right? And of course they all share different purpose and it's fascinating to me how our partners talk about the fact that they're touching lives and changing livelihoods. And then the party is almost like a celebration of that. And it means that it becomes quite human, right? It's not just like, oh, we happen to be suppliers at a supply conference or we happen to be... No, it's we are doing the same thing and it's a really important thing we're doing here, touching lives and changing livelihoods. And that's there. It's definitely a huge after-party at Old Billingsgate. We were so enamoured with the ground floor, and then someone said, haven't you seen the other two floors below? And I'm like, what? <laughs> there are so many zero... Zeros? What do you call them? Zeros. 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 Zeros? There are so many zeros here, and uh, there was a great picture you yes. posted with such a huge amount of people. And uh, you've had people then come from all over the world for this? We did, I and mean, that picture would probably have been 80% regional people and then 20% maybe international, right? And the reality is ZeroCon, again, because it's such an emblematic event, it takes a village to put this together. We have a big party planning committee, and a lot of the people that help us put this together work globally, and then at headquarters we are doing a similar event to this in New Orleans later in August, and then another one in Sydney. And there's some aspects, there's kind of almost a traveling roadshow and certain people that, that go to all three. Yeah. But then there's just a huge amount of people here in the region who ultimately are here because these are our regional partners. Our South African colleagues are here as well. We have about 40 people that flew up here from South Africa and are part of this event as well. When I looked at the picture, what dawned on me was that you had such an interesting profile of people. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of gender diversity. Almost equal numbers? Is that something then that Zero focuses on in, in terms of making sure that you have a healthy male to female ratio, both at the operating level as well as the senior leadership level. The funny thing is we almost don't. What I mean by that, I and mean, obviously it's important, and, and we do talk about diversity and inclusion and belonging internally quite a bit, but much more importantly to us is creating a culture which encompasses diversity, inclusion and belonging, and it becomes so natural and so instinctive that you don't have to look at ratios and numbers every month and check whether you're up or down on them. Once you create a healthy culture and once you start celebrating the diversity of that, you create a place where any sort of people that have been discriminated against or people that typically would have found themselves in minority somewhere else feel welcome and feel included and feel they belong. I consider myself extremely, extremely fortunate that we have created that environment at zero and then we have people that recognize that and join us and stay with us because of that reason. Definitely being a global company it needs to represent all aspects of the world. The only one thing we'll say would be good to see a bit more diversity as well because in this sort of day and age in a global company if you really want to be global you have to represent as many parts of the globe as possible. Touching on what you've been discussing, your background is of a more European expansion base. Is Zero's long-term plan to have more presence in more European countries and create those specific Euro Zero-type licenses where they're native to either a specific country or a specific region? Yeah, for starters, Zero's ambition is absolutely global. And certainly one of the things that attracted me to Zero was this notion of being the MD for the UK and 
EMEA, and EMEA is a part of part of that. Right? I've been lucky enough to live and work and study in various countries across Europe, and, and it's certainly something I would love to replicate at zero again. We actually have quite a few partners in those countries already, right? So even though, admittedly, our Zero World Edition is in English only and our customer experience team is English only and our billing is single currency, we, we find, and I'm always just surprised by how many of our customers in any country in Europe just find that Zero software is so compelling mm -hmm. that it is better than something they may have locally. And so even though it's in English, etc., etc., they're using us. We're certainly, this year and going forward, we want to be more proactive in exploring our opportunity in these markets and commercializing Zero more proactively. Now, the actual point at which we start localizing Zero for specific compliance and regulations for markets and or we start localizing Zero in other languages, that's probably still a few years away as a global company on a single platform. You always have choices to make in terms of how you prioritize some of the platform work and what comes first. And obviously we have very large customer bases, right? Over 3 million small businesses across the world are already customers and we want to make sure we serve them well. And so for the time being, we will not be localizing specifically. Because the global license is powerful in itself, but you, from our experience, you do get a lot more tailored services with Zero if you've got the local license. So does that mean you've got more focus on like Canada at the moment where you bought, a, you had a recent acquisition in that area? Is that kind of North America more the focus than Europe? So, so globally, right, if you were to ask Steve, it's very clear that the markets we are in and the potential in the markets we are in is quite extraordinary and will continue getting some investment. By the way, UK certainly is absolutely top and center in that, right? We believe our opportunity and the potential in this market is, is nominal. But I would point to South Africa as a very good example of an alternative model. In South Africa, where we use the Zero World Edition, we have been extremely successful leveraging our app partners and our APIs to develop many of the functionalities locally, right? And I'd certainly be keen to continue exploring that model where in certain markets we can do quite a bit with APIs and external developers. Mm. It's good for Zero that because you can test the market to see which works and then when it does work you can pick them up. Is the challenge for you in terms of, right now we're focusing on Europe specifically, but is a challenge for you in moving into that, is that a platform issue in terms of having to hyper-localize it? Fundamentally it comes down to it's a resource allocation challenge, right? It's a good problem to have, but our global executive team and our board, right, one of the toughest choices to have is what do they prioritize and what don't they prioritize with the resources available to us? And at the end of the day, we are a product company and the vast majority of the resources go into our product roadmap in prioritizing which initiatives we pursue. Yesterday, we announced Zero Go. Well, that was a significant investment and a choice that we made globally as to a product we wanted to release. So the European opportunity is certainly on that list. But I also very realistically think that when you look at the product roadmap currently, there are a few things that are higher up on that list for the next few years. Perfectly moving into then ZeroGo and the announcements at ZeroCon, what some of the best parts of a ZeroCon is those big product announcements, what's coming. Have you had much feedback yet? Have you managed to see people, talk to people about how ZeroGo and Zero Instant Pay, is that right, have gone down? And what's been your experience from those conversations? Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to quite a few partners this morning. One of them, a partner up in Scotland, who 
specializes in serving soul traders. Eyes just glistening and a smile ear to ear. The, the reality is it's a product that has been a long time coming. We know that even our zero starter product at times may be slightly over-engineered for a sole trader, right? It just has functionality that they don't necessarily need. And we have had feedback over the years that they want a better priced product for that particular segment. So any accountant or bookkeeping practice that has sole trader clients, the feedback's been absolutely phenomenal. It's exactly what they were looking for. The timing of the launch in the context of MTD for its coming in 2024 is particularly purposeful just because it will help that market. The conversation I've had with certain partners that currently don't necessarily serve that market is they're curious to better understand the opportunity because they do know that over the next two years, right, millions, millions of sole traders are going to have to get compliant with making tax digital. Yeah. And clearly Zero Go is a good product for that. So something that always concerns me, always makes me a bit nervous, is where you've got a free until date. And that was something that was obviously announced on, on Zero Go. It's free until April 23, I believe. Are you going to be giving indications in that timescale of where the pricing point may land? Well, we gave indications on the pricing point yesterday already. It's free until April 23 because of the early release and testing cycle. And at that point, we will bill it at £4 per subscription. It's not so much that we're trying to hold back on the pricing strategy. It's more we want to make sure that the tests land before we then start billing for it. And on the instant pay side of things, obviously uh, the additional feature that came out as testing in itself in terms yes. of the announcement. Very interesting given that we've also got apps like Cresco here, which are providing open banking instant payments as well. How did that come about? And is that just an, an additional option really for businesses in terms of we've already got the ability to pay with Stride, pay with GoCardless, pay with PayPal and many others? Yeah, it's a feature that responds to customer feedback, right? Our partnership with GoCardless is a very healthy and long-standing partnership, but most of the payment functionality has always been around setting up recurring payments. And, and one of the main feedbacks is recurring is great, but every now and then I have one-offs and I, how do I go about those? So it's a feature specifically designed to respond to that. And the feedback, I've certainly the conversations I've had have been very receptive and very good about that. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Cool. That's probably the perfect time to bring this to a close. Thank you, Alex, for coming on the, on the pod, given that we have about two minutes before you have to shoot off. That's great. Thank you guys for having me and, and happy to speak anytime. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much, Alex. Thank you. So as well as ZeroCon, there were some interesting announcements in the industry and we're not doing app news this episode, but we could not resist diving into the release of QuickBooks Online Advanced in the UK. Talked about it a lot on our show and we've managed to get Johan Gori back on. Let's jump straight into the interview we have with him and learn a bit more about the product. QuickBooks Online announced QuickBooks Online Advanced for the UK very recently. We've been talking about QuickBooks Online Advanced on the show for a little while, especially the US version of what they've been doing. They've been releasing a lot of new features over there. And if it's coming over to the UK, we want to know a bit more about it. Thank you for coming on. Johan Gori, the QuickBooks Online expert. How are you feeling, mate? Yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Cool. Firstly, can you give us a bit of an overview of what you know about QuickBooks Online Advanced in the UK and how that might compare to the US version? It's having a soft launch for now. It's been in development for quite a while. It's a launch in the UK, but they have 
soft launched it as of Monday the 19th of July. So it's not being pushed by QuickBooks. Their marketing is not behind it. Their sales team aren't being incentivized to push it or anything like that at the moment. Because what they're trying to do is just get initial user feedback and data on what is available, what is working, what's buggy, and then they're pushing it from September onwards. So is this like a beta launch or has there already been a beta and now it's going out to a wider remit? To my knowledge, there's been no beta. This is the beta launch. Anyone can come along and buy it off the QuickBooks Online website. Any business that wants to use it can have it straight away. Accountants can upgrade their clients' licenses to QuickBooks Advanced as of the 19th of July. It's I would probably say compared to the QuickBooks US version, I'd say it's a light version. They've got everything working on it through your tasks, your custom features, the permissions. So you've got much, much more control about what staff can and can't see without any issues. They've got the backup and restore feature that everybody loved on desktop softwares. You can do batch actions. There's a lot more automation compared to QuickBooks Online. What they haven't quite got yet is the stuff that you'd have been hearing about in the US, the really heavy Amazon integrations, et cetera. That's all to be launched at a later date, mainly because Amazon UK servers are different to the US servers, so it's not a copy and paste job. One thing that was big in the acquisition of Datadeer is that that was being brought into QuickBooks Online Advanced. Do you know if that is in the UK version as yet? It is in baking mode. In baking, okay. <laughs> QuickBooks Advanced in the US, and it's due to come into the UK. My original understanding was they were hoping it would be in place for the big launch in September. Brilliant. So for those that know QuickBooks Online or have heard of QuickBooks Online, know that about the space it's in, which is that small business space, where would QuickBooks Online Advanced sit? Is that just for premium small businesses or is that moving now into the mid-tier company it's definitely your larger small business into your mid-tier they are throwing the hat in the ring with the likes of sage and netsuite which isn't a arena that they've been playing in before in the uk it's definitely where quickbooks advance sits in the us so is it sage intact netsuite places like that they're up against those in the us that's who they're looking to challenge in the uk but also the timing of the release is to ensure it's there to facilitate the QBO desktop switch off into QuickBooks Online Advanced because the online product wasn't quite up to spec to replace all the features in desktop at the time. Bill materials, Online Advanced. Mm-hmm. Well, they're probably missed out in certain instances because a number of clients would have already left not knowing that this was coming. Um, yeah. They've kind of jumped ship and gone somewhere else. I know some clients from our business that have already transitioned with the fear of what was going to just be turned off in the end of December. So from a communication point of view, if they managed to preempt this coming out or talked about it more, obviously you were aware, but the wider community less so that that may have helped retain some clients, but definitely interested in what's going on. John, going to bring you into this chat a bit, because I know you work similarly in that kind of mid-tier business space where we're talking to the likes of Intact, to Plicit, to Accounts IQ, Ledger. Do you feel that, from our understanding from the American side and how QuickBooks Online has been over there, do you think they've got a good chance of breaking into this quite cluttered UK market now? They probably do have a good chance. I find it 
interesting that they have gone for this sort of soft launch rather than pushing it hard into the market because I don't think that's sort of typical really of, of Intuit QuickBooks. You know, they tend to go quite hard on marketing in the past and, and pushing product out. It's a tricky, busy, challenging market in that it's sort of next step up ERP space. And what we're starting to see, particularly from some of those that you mentioned, is that they are working hard and building integrations into the app marketplaces that we're more familiar with at that zero and QuickBooks level. In theory, QuickBooks Advanced should have a little bit of leverage in that space in terms of there's already a pre-existing marketplace at the lower end of the product, which they should be able to bring to play in the UK. But equally, as we just heard, if they haven't quite got things like the Amazon integrations working there, that's obviously going to put them a little bit of a step behind other products and of course, people who are going to be at the top end using something like a zero, maybe connected with other apps as well. So there's always opportunity. It's a big enough market to support people. It's a good enough product to be useful in the market. As Johan has sort of said, with the switch off of the desktop product, there are going to be people who want to move, stay with QuickBooks, but move to that product. On that then, I assume the program works with the, the QuickBooks app marketplace as it is. My understanding is it does, yes. I've not had a huge amount of time to test it all. But yeah, because all you're doing is upgrading from QuickBooks Online to QuickBooks Online Advance. It's just from their full license, which has five users and stuff. It's the same base. It's just more features turned on, like you were turning, going from essentials to the next license up. So yes, my understanding is it works with all the current apps. But when you look at the US version, it's not really an app that talks to Amazon. It's actually a built-in connection. So it's not going for a third-party app or anything. So that's the bit that's not there yet. Okay. Have they beefed up the service? Because from QuickBooks side, you, at times you do experience kind of a bit of slowdown, a bit of loading of screens. Considering they're looking at the mid-tier, there's going to be a far larger number of transactions. Is the on line advanced version running on a more beefed up faster server base or is it exactly the same i don't know they're building it in the for that purpose as the software i don't know what servers it's on and whether it's gone on to different ones but at the moment quickbook the top one has five users max unless you get the product from an accountant at which point you get unlimited if you go and buy quickbooks advanced off the shelf from the quickbooks website you get 25 users They've all got different user permissions available to them. They would have had to do work in the background, I would hypothesize, to support that. My final question is that when QuickBooks have come over to the, the UK market from the US, they are significantly lower in price. Are they doing the same with Advance? Are they trying to win businesses over by having a low price point? So QuickBooks Advanced, if you buy it direct from QuickBooks, is £75 plus VAT a month. Okay. All the features, all the users, etc., and it has the same pricing discount that all QuickBooks advisors, certified users get to offer to their clients, which is between fifty and sixty percent discount. That's significantly lower than the US from memory of the it pricing is. over there. Yeah, yes. in the US, you're looking at about one hundred twenty dollars a month to use QuickBooks Advanced. So seventy five pounds a month plus that is significantly lower. But I think that reflects the fact that it's a lighter version at the moment whether yeah. they bake in all the other connections and stuff and then up the price to bring it in line i don't know but as a quickbooks pro advisor anyone that's certified will get it at 35 pounds a month plus that but that makes it a very competitive product compared to your mid-range competitors that are out there at the moment and pricing's very compelling isn't it really what's your tipping point then for maybe some of those clients that you're looking at that you've got on the main QuickBooks product that might now be suitable for the advanced product? We're not really assessed any of our clients as 
ready for QuickBooks Advanced. We think they're all very good on where they are, but that's because of our niche in the market to date has been focused on what we can deliver through QuickBooks Online. We've not gone for the bigger clients. However, we've picked up a lot of due diligence works on quite large companies like mid-range companies between two and nine million pound a year turnovers where they've got desktop-based softwares like Sage, etc. I Up until now, I wouldn't have been able to go to them and say, move to QuickBooks and take on our services because we didn't have the staff with the expertise or the software or the expertise of the softwares in that range. Whereas now I've managed to quote every single one of those due diligence cases and we're in talks to secure those clients because we've now got a product offering that until a month ago, well, two weeks ago, we didn't have, so we couldn't be in that market without learning a whole new product and a whole new software. For us, it's a new marketplace for us to go and play in. And those kind of clients are several million pound turnovers. They've normally got several different levels of user in-house. They've got their own bookkeeper, their own salesperson. They've got the directors and various levels of management where you want them to see reports, but not the bank. And you want the invoice person to be able to go in and do quotes and invoicing. You want someone to go in and do your day book work. Whereas our client base today are very much hands-off. The owner of the business has access, but we do all the work. It's a new market for us but it's definitely targeting two million pound plus turnovers where they've got a team in the office completing financial services in-house rather than those that are outsourcing bookkeeping and payroll and stuff to accounting firms. This definitely opens up opportunities, especially for those firms that have chosen QuickBooks as their route. Unlike the ones that have gone down zero, where we've asked multiple times, zero have no intention, as far as we're aware, to move into that larger space. Although every time they say that and then QuickBooks does something, they tend to pivot to adjust. Who knows? We might be seeing a zero plus plus or something in the, in How the, many years the future. How many years did it take QuickBooks self-employed into a zero go? It's, yeah, that's true. Can it be? <laughs> and we've just seen zero unlimited get launched and it's not actually unlimited because you don't get CIS. That's an extra addition. It's just, yeah, they've got a lot of work to beef up their servers and their product to an advanced product, whereas QuickBooks was kind of a copy and paste to a certain degree into the UK. Completely agree. So thank you very much, Jan, for coming on and talking to us about QuickBooks Online Advanced today. If anyone wants to reach out, learn a bit more, get the inside gossip on QuickBooks Online, how do they reach out to you, mate? I do a monthly podcast with Aaron, Ash and Charlie, where we do QuickBooks Labs and we talk all things QuickBooks. Cool. Thanks very much, Hank. Cheers. Hey, Ryan, I'd love to talk about one of our cornerstone sponsors, Comma. They're a bulk payments platform built in open banking, which, as you know, is my favourite subject. But would you like to fill us in a little bit more about what they do? Yeah, well, I see Comma as a pioneering app in the bank payment space. They're built on the open banking payment rails. They connect to all of the major cloud accounting platforms and most of the high street banks, pulling information from one system through into the other one to automate that process. It gives you visibility of all your payments and with one click, bulk and scheduled payment runs. And they focus on security and time saving. And because it's built on open banking, it's a single fixed fee. So no matter how much you use it, it doesn't increase based on transaction volume. 
Oh, no, it's excellent. And if anyone is interested in finding out a bit more about Comma or even signing up to the platform, you can go to their website, which is usecomma.com. That's U-S-E-C-O-M-M-A.com. And you'll find out more about their platform and how to get on board. Only accountants would come to London, which is one of the most amazing metropolitan cities in the world that has the most incredible bars, restaurants, anything you want, like drinks on top of a skyscraper overlooking the river, would exit the ZeroCon party and then proceed to party at the Premier Inn or Weatherspoons. <laughs> They're like, it was raging. We packed the whole bar out. <laughs> yeah, we were... We got a lot of zero people outside ours, didn't we, John? Well, we we were staying we were staying at the Tower Hotel, weren't we? Which is where a lot of the zeros are staying. So we did have a good view, Amy. Some of us know how to party properly. <laughs> I know. I saw you on my way out, and you were like, "You're coming to the hotel bar," and I was like, "I am certainly not. I am going home." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, some interesting insights there on line advance. But we also want to touch a little bit about ZeroCon, one of the biggest accounting shows of the year. As you've just heard, we're very lucky to get Alex von Schermeister on. Before we dive into what he said and our opinions on that, I thought we would, as a group, have a quick chat about our own impressions of ZeroCon. Obviously, we're going in with a lot of experience. John and I, we both have been to multiple ZeroCons before, and we've got the amazing Amy, who has gone in as a vendor, different perspective, different experience. I think how we all felt about the show probably is echoed around the, hopefully is echoed around the UK accounting world. So, John, firstly, mate, what were your, I guess, big positives and maybe some of the things didn't quite work as well as we'd hoped at Zerocom? Well, big positives, as with a lot of events this year, was that they were really well attended, other than obviously the, the disruption that happened with all of the trains from the day before, with the hot weather just effectively breaking the UK, which is pretty pretty standard, isn't it? Anything anything other than a wet, rainy day is, is pretty damaging to, to UK infrastructure. It was, it was an interesting venue. I mean, I liked the fact that they experimented with it. Don't say it loudly, but obviously QuickBooks Connected already been there beforehand. And and uh, that, that made for some real interest. Having Sue Perkins as MC was pretty damn good. She was really, really she shit. Was. She was shit hot. She was good. She was totally entertaining. She wasn't completely disparaging about accountants, which most MCs are because they don't get us. Um, yeah, she was, she was good fun. And for me, it was just nice to be able to mingle with some of the C-suite at, at Zero and get to know the vendors a little bit better. And that's what I go to these events for, really. I can't believe, John, that your biggest positive of the entire event wasn't the fact that you and I got a shout out by Steve Vamos in the keynote. That's the thing that would have me buzzing for a couple of days. <laughs> I did tweet about it. And then as with all things social media related, the elation wore off within a matter of seconds. The other thing that I did really appreciate actually was the fact that although it was a bit weird having the keynotes and some of the talks were done on the main stage and it was restricted in terms of numbers, I did quite like the fact that there was other space to be able to watch those and see those. And I watched quite a lot of them in the room that had like deck chairs and beanbags. So that was very, very chilled and very much appreciated on the second day when we'd had a fairly fun night out the night before. Yeah, it was all good. Definitely. Echo what you said about the venue. Amy, it'd be good to bring you in on that, especially from a vendor perspective. Because unlike at the Excel where it's been before, where you've got a very obvious vendor section and the separate stages that people kind of move between, everything was kind of separated and the flow didn't feel as obvious to an attendee there. What was it from like from a 
a vendor perspective? It was interesting from a vendor perspective. The thing that I really like about ZeroCon as opposed to some of the other shows is actually it's paid for. So the people who come are there to learn and then they're usually quite digitally enabled already. So the quality of conversation you have with people is just much better than at some of the other shows where people are just coming just to see what's new and see what's out there. And we had amazing conversations and we got in front of a lot of people that we wouldn't normally speak to. So from a vendor perspective, it was really, really fruitful. And the Zero team were really, really great at making us feel like part of their community. So the day before the show, we were at a lunch with the C-suite of Zero. They'd invited some of their app partners there and they were constantly coming around and checking on us and, and just seeing what was up and wanted to know what was happening on the stand, wanted to learn more about our product, see it in action. So from that standpoint, it was really good. But I think the venue was slightly challenging. If we talk about the elephant in the room, the one major thing that didn't work was the air con in 40 degrees you definitely knew that the people that were coming to your stand really wanted to be there <laughs> the thing that really helped us get more engagement was we actually offered to fan people if they, if they took a demo <laughs> so <laughs> That was that was definitely challenging. I mean, the apps did feel a little bit segregated from where the talking stages were, but I don't necessarily know if that's all bad because it means actually when people came in to talk to the vendors and they went around the rooms that you had more of their attention as opposed to lots of distraction in the places where you are, where if you think about the Excel center, right, there's a whole bunch of different things. And then the vendors are kind of scattered around. So people are walking through, but they might not actually be wanting to speak to you. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. they might want to be finding their mates in the corner, et cetera. So that worked well, but I do think you can't forecast that extreme heat is going to happen. So kudos to Zero for trying something new, but it would have been nice maybe if there was some iced coffee instead of hot coffee. Well, there was, yeah. a, lot, there was a lot of ice cream and free fans, but when even in the talks, there would be to a point where I was like, I'm now not listening because I'm just bothered by heat and wanting to get out. And there's nothing they could really do about that once the show kicked off. Personally, I quite liked the venue for the reasons that Amy was saying in terms of it allowed you to focus a bit more on the various app providers that were there with the stands. I felt that it was a bit more chilled out and not maybe quite as, as intense as we've had at the XL in the past. And once people had sort of navigated around it, and that was the first, the biggest challenge was obviously the way that they structure ZeroCon with those first few talks for the first couple of hours. Unless people got there early, it doesn't really give people a lot of time to settle down into where things are and navigate around. And the best thing they could have done was put like a little mini map on the yep. back of the lanyards. At least then you could have seen on the back of your ticket, get a bit of an idea for where you were going and stuff. And the ZeroCon party was good. Definitely not the best one. Like the ZeroCon party ah. from four years ago with the live band. That was definitely the best one that we've had. I uh, see. I've got different feedback, John. I, I've got that the ZeroCon party was one of the best. And I think the size of it, the, the variety, and the fact it didn't feel too packed. There was still enough space to go around and find somewhere to, I guess, chill if you kind of danced out i thought actually was yeah that was one of the better one of the better ones if not the best i thought that party was epic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that zero do really well is actually putting that party on because anybody who's at the convention isn't going to miss that where 
a lot of other shows people leave before the drinks or there's different apps and vendors putting on their own event to try and claim that space. So that party is such a great opportunity to come in and cheers a glass, have a toast to some people who you do business with regularly, who actually sometimes have become personal friends. It's just like a great opportunity to really see the community that we operate in and like the passion that people have. Yeah. I had some of my best conversations they well they felt like my best conversations I merely had had a drink so I'm not entirely sure if that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the correct opinion but they, they felt like some of the best conversations I'd had over the two days evening all right before we dive into one of the key things which is the announcements there was one thing that I just I've had comments come from like to me from other people which is the change in swag every Xerocon was a Xerocon t-shirt or an ability to get a Xerocon t-shirt and this year they changed it and I felt that was a bit odd. What do you think? I thought it was a little bit odd. I mean, I thought the whole, like, go hunting for badges kind of thing, just, I just didn't get that. It just wasn't wasn't for me. See, I um, saw people that loved that, John. <laughs> I saw people hunting them, coming up to me, going, you found where these are. People seem to love that. Think maybe you're just not a scavenger. <laughs> just like the, the whole treasure hunt kind of thing just, like, just, just, just lost me. I was just like, no, I'm here for, here for short talking and networking with people and i don't need another challenge set down other than where's the food and where are the toilets is it just make that you couldn't find them is that the reason that you don't like it <laughs> i didn't even try looking to be fair to be honest and ironically i was with someone who was desperate to find all the badges i was just like no you just sort yourself out <laughs> yeah the t-shirt thing was odd just because people have loved collecting those year on year and even having them and kind of being able to wear them and that was a thing that showed how many zero cons you've been to and then they've broken that trend you can't show that anymore and that was a bit of an odd choice to make mm. i did get a zero football though you got a football mine's not inflated at the moment but i've got well i've got two actually the other one is inflated in the garage okay let's jump into the, the main thing which is the, the announcements and the general feedback I've had so far, which goes against what Alex said in the interview, is that they've been relatively underwhelming. We were hoping for a lot. Zero's not really released much for the last 18 months. As we talked to Steve, there's been a lot going on in the background, the engine of Zero, and we were just desperate for some kind of key announcement, and they did, and it was Zero Go. And I've not seen many people that have gone, yeah. What's your take on this, John? It felt like they'd taken the main app and they just kind of removed things to go, here's something for MTD. Well, I had already been given the heads up before ZeroCon that this was being announced. So it was even more of a anti-climax for me. The only thing that was new was the name, but it's effectively a repackaged part of the existing program. Whilst it's of interest and of use for some of the smaller clients in the practice. They're not the clients that I particularly deal with anymore because I don't really tend to deal with sort of sole traders and partnerships that are going to be affected by MTD for ITSA. So it wasn't massively relevant to me, hence I couldn't get massively excited about it. Will we utilize it within the practice for some of our clients? Yes, absolutely. Is it really something new and, and anything else? No, it was an announcement to say that there's something out there. And to be fair, it was needed for Zero because they didn't really have a product that was suitable to challenge in that marketplace. And given that you know, Anne's maybe alluded to this, is that Intuit have got a product that's that's out there in the market. They're obviously then having to compete with the likes of Free Agent. And we've seen a whole raft of other people come into the market, particularly for MTD for ITSA, with the likes of Hammer and others who have got dedicated apps built for this space. So Zero had to react and have done. Simple, simple as, you know, it's just commercial necessity. Yeah, definitely. I, I need to play with the product properly, but would I say it's a QuickBook self-employed? No. Would I say it's a free agent? No. Would I say it's a hammock or a landlord studio or a coconut? 
no, it doesn't feel like that. But I still need to play with it. It feels like they're going to do work on it over the next, well, nine months maybe because they've got it free until April 23. So I'll, uh, I'll watch this space. The other one was Instant Pay, which was quite a good announcement. Definitely interesting, good hookup, but not new. It's basically something that we've talked about. I would say, though, if you're not in our space, it probably felt new to a lot of people that work with Zero that aren't already au fait with GoCardless. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. The GoCardless instant pay features were announced what, about a month to six weeks ago by GoCardless. And what was effectively announced as being new at ZeroCon was the Zero integration to facilitate that. It's a good simple product let's not forget that we've already got apps like cresco in the market that do something exactly the same you've got iwaka pay that does something very similar as well and the go cardless pricing is such that if you're already using cresco you're probably not going to switch because cresco is free and iwaka pay is cheaper as well if i remember rightly so if you're already using go cardless with zero for taking regular payments you'll probably bolt this instant pay module on because it'll allow you to maybe pick up those payments that fail or if you need to take one-offs up front or anything else because that kind of makes sense to keep it all in one place. But for anyone else, it's a matter of choosing the best products on the market that's most suitable for you. Definitely. Amy, not something that really interacts much with Capitalized, but did you have any thoughts on the announcements? To echo what you said, it was more of a woo. The thing is that it's challenging in general, right? Is that Zero is such a large organization now that it takes longer to create shift, right? These products that may have been in development for 18 months, whatever it is, right? You get the likes of Cresco who come into the market, they're agile, they're startup, they've got their seed funding and they can bring something really quickly. And you'll see this more and more as time goes on. And it's almost like there is a choice that's, do you partner or do you do it yourself? Whether it's an app, whether it's zero themselves doing it, it'll require some testing, some time, some trials, some improvements and adjustments to the product before we really know if it's amazing or if it's not as good as some of its competitors. And this goes to something I was talking to someone quite senior at Zero about at ZeroCon. And they were sort of saying, you've got to imagine now that Zero and of course, equally the likes of QuickBooks and Sage and everyone else, they're a bit like an iceberg. What we see on the top above the surface is only like a very small percentage of everything else that's going on underneath. And we've also got to bear in mind that Zero is now a product essentially that is more than 10 years old. And so some of the technology that's built into the product is effectively quite old now compare it to the likes of Cresco and what they're utilizing and that was part of the conversation that we we're having was that zero are a little bit challenged now around innovation because what they're having to do under the hood effectively is try and pull everything apart and make it much more agile much more compartmentalized so that when they start to really innovate and add more features it'll work more effectively we've seen the impact of what they're doing they're removing the old style blue reports from the product and that's caused uproar in the market we've seen that there have been problems with bank feeds and the integrations there and there have been some other issues and this is one of the problems for a product like zero at the moment when they're in this kind of transitory phase is that if you remove a chunk of the product and replace it with something a little bit more effective and a bit more agile, you're not sure if actually that turns the lights off in another part of the product somewhere else because it's weirdly interconnected in the background that you weren't aware of. And that's what we have seen of late. There's a huge amount of work going on in the background that nobody really sees, which is trying to effectively keep Zero as a product at the cutting edge, but that's not necessarily feeding into 
product innovation that we're seeing at the front end that that makes us get really all hyped up and excited. I suspect that will come. Steve alluded to it when we discussed it with him on the previous pod, and it was talked about in his keynote as well in terms of where they see zero moving to and the phases that they've got to sort of travel through to get there. Sometimes there's also nothing wrong with focusing on your core product because my experience is that accountants can be quite cynical people and instead of looking at the good things, they always look at the holes and the problems before they're there. I mean, you're naturally analytical people, right? And if Zero had made a huge announcement where everyone was like, ah, somebody would still turn around and be like, yeah, but they haven't properly done that thing that they said they were going to do five years ago. Why don't they just go fix that? That would have probably been me. I I would have been that person. (laughs) I know you would have. And I know that that like resonates across this community. So we'll see what happens. That's a good time to bring this to a close. Anyone that has been to a ZeroCon before, I think it's, was it the best one they've been to? Possibly not. Probably mostly because of the weather and the impact that had and the challenges that posed. If you were new to zero, pretty much unanimously, I've heard that they loved it because it had that real zero con feel. Party was amazing. And maybe the announcements were a little underwhelming for what we were hoping they would be. But it's zero con. I'm virtually certain I'll be back next year and hopefully not in a massive heat wave. And one final piece of feedback for Zero. If they are going to put teacups that are big enough for people to sit in, they should adhere the teacup to the saucer because some people might fall out of it. (laughs) Shall we say, take a topple when they haven't even had a tipple. (laughs) Oh, that's a good soundbite. For those that have no idea what we're on about, Amy may have had a slight accident at ZeroCon in a giant teacup. If you want to know more about that, I would advise reaching out to Amy and connecting with her. So Amy, if anyone does want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, for sure. If you want to have a chat, you can find me on LinkedIn, Amy Cotton, like the fabric. Brilliant. Thank you, Amy, for coming on the show, especially as it was relatively late notice. For all of you that listen to our podcast, please follow us on LinkedIn, share, subscribe to the pod, and we would love to hear from you. So leave a review or reach out and tell us what you like, what you don't like. We always love to get some feedback from you. But most importantly, tune in for the next episode. Thanks again.